What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Happy Skews Day to you. Well, I don't know if happy is the right word. It is a Skews Day. It's May 3rd, 2022. I'm Trey, and that's Mark, and this is Weekly Skews. Going to do things a little bit differently tonight. Later on, we will have a guest. Uh, she's a congressional candidate for Tennessee's 7th District. Odessa, Kella, Odessa Kelly excuse me, will be joining us later. Along the way, we'll attempt to lighten the mood at least a little bit with some dumbasses, but the news of this particular day feels like one of those things you just kind of jump right into, wouldn't you say, Mark? Yeah, uh, I was thinking about today's show yesterday, and I was like, oh, what are we going to talk about? It doesn't appear to be yeah. anything earth-shattering going, in, going, going <laughs> on, but luckily our, our hellscape fucking delivers. Uh, yeah, Earth was indeed shattered yeah, last well, night. Last night's when it came out, right? It was leaked. Our yeah. Politico announcing that uh, it would appear uh, that uh, Supreme Court set to overturn the landmark abortion reproductive rights case, Roe v. Wade, um, mm -hmm. based on a draft opinion written by Sam Alito, which is pretty uh, pretty straightforward. I feel like the yeah, terminology, uh, like he leaves, he makes it pretty clear where he stands, at least. It is. <laughs> Look, Supreme Court opinions are usually like obscurantist and like uh, nerdy, and they hide yeah. their emotional motivations behind, right. you know, quoting from 1742. Uh, right. This is one of the most strident, belligerent. Like, it, like right. this could have been like a, a a comment on a Breitbart post or like uh, a, a red from a Reddit forum on men's rights or some shit. Is fucking mm -hmm. unhinged, batshit lunacy. I mean, like. On Friday's uh, Patriot episode, we talked about the guy who set himself on fire on the court on, on the steps of the Supreme Court uh, to protest climate change, and we're like, that, uh, in my head, I was like, that's got to be the bleakest Supreme Court story we're going to talk about for a while. <laughs> Turns out, not so much. Um, I the if you guys if you guys haven't read it, I don't, like it's sixty seven pages, not counting mm -hmm. the thirty pages of footnotes, but like. The interesting thing about this being a, like a rough draft is uh, you can see how the the judges, the justices sort of vent their spleen and then the clerks are left to sort of try to backfill the legal reasoning for it. The whole idea that these are guys calling balls and strikes. We've, we've talked about this a lot before, but it's fucking if if you still believe that yesterday, you should not believe that today because this opinion is f absolutely full of shit. And I'm not a lawyer, but I can read it and be like, this is this is lunacy. This is fucking crazy. So on that note, neither of us are lawyers. I don't know how much of this you're ready to talk about, but just as far as like the process and everything goes, obviously this was leaked, which is also, a, I mean, it's literally never happened before in history as I understand yeah. it. So that's pretty sure, wild yeah. too. But the the way it's supposed to, this is his first draft of the opinion, right? And the way it normally would work is it goes around to the other justices and they give like Notes, notes and shit yeah. like yeah. In, in writing a script or something you get notes back yeah. from the other ones and it gets adjusted so this is the very first draft it may have if it had never leaked it may have been different by the time it came out but the uh -huh. intent of it is clear and as long as he keeps the votes the outcome would would not be any different right but the document we're seeing is you know that's his. Yeah. That's his starting point for yeah. how this should uh, be expressed. Yeah, I think uh, let's talk about the leak in a few minutes. But let's talk about because like the actual motivations for who leaked it, I think, are get are interesting and not yeah. as straightforward as people might think. But right. Uh, so the, as far as the insanity of the text itself, um, he goes full on. This is like here's 
he's, he's pulling from a conspiracy theory that Clarence Thomas has put out there before, but it says, quote, some such supporters have been motivated by a desire to suppress the size of the effort of African-American population. It is beyond dispute that ROAs have a demographic effect. The highest proportionate percentage of aborted fetuses are black. So he's going with the uh, abortion is racist. Eugenics. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which in the context of who's saying this, uh, he can sue me if he wants it. I'll just say this. Alito is a fucking racist. Um, mm-hmm. So I, you, if you want to like, if you need further proof, these people don't believe anything they're saying. There you go. Right. It's like, it's, it's, it's like utter horseshit to arrive at a conclusion. Um, it, it's basically well, it's not like, and I, this probably would have come up, but it's like one of the, like some of the shit he throws at the wall like that one. Like it's almost like he's setting up like, listen, really what we're trying to do is we're trying to help black people out because yeah. this has been a mm-hmm. scourge amongst their people. And we're just trying to fix that. May, you know, may Sam Alito that I've got the black community's interest at heart and s- sort of along the same lines. He talks a lot in here about how like, the discourse surrounding Roe v. Wade has like ripped us apart as it's, it's caused all this controversy and upheaval and everything over the years. Mm-hmm. And sort of like the implication is like, so this will fix that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like this it's, hugely unpopular decision that we're about to do on, you know, upending 50 years of reproductive rights progress should mm-hmm. calm everybody down as far as that goes. Uh, so that would be nice. Yeah, um, it's also like shows the sort of the bubble they travel in because abortion is overwhelmingly legal. Abortion is overwhelmingly popular. It's like the, mm-hmm. the electoral problem Democrats are going to have is that like most people don't feel that strongly about it, but also it's never been taken away like this before. Right, and and you're going to see the Republicans who can't keep their mouths shut, like you're who are in safe seats, like your Marjorie Taylor Greens, openly campaigning for like a. a, a, a federal criminal abortion ban once they retake Congress in the fall, while the people who are in purple states are going to be trying to be telling them to shut the fuck up. And of course, they're not going to do that. But they, there's no reason I think they won't do it. They'll nuke the filibuster right. and, and, and criminalize abortion nationwide. It, right. It's like a nationwide because that's, the, because that's the thing is it's like this is <laughs> just overturning Roe v. Wade, which makes it a federal. This would turn it back over to the states, right? So if your state is mm-hmm. has legal abortion it'll still be legal there but if you're one of the 22 or 20 something states that uh are set to outlaw it or dying to outlaw it already mm-hmm. most of you know the red states of course then this decision would make it effectively illegal in those states like as soon as it passed yeah. or happened right I've, you got you got a bunch of states have already effectively outlawed it like Texas and Mississippi which is the, sort of the court cases that led to this decision I think it was Mississippi that a Mississippi case that jump started this one, but um, they, there's like a, 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 a Texas has like a conditional abortion ban up until six weeks. Something Mississippi's is like hard and firm, but the uh, uh, that's what that's what prompted this decision. But like I think another 13 states have trigger laws that say like once the Roe v. Wade is gone, then we're, then abortion's automatically legal. So the minute the decision is handed down, right. there'll be no recourse for them in those states until. Uh, Hypothetically, uh, someone can out, outvote a heavily gerrymandered state. Like all, all Democrats, Democrats can only get seventy-eight percent of the vote. They'll be able to retake the state legislature and and overturn, uh, uh, you know, abortion ban. So good luck with that. Um, the it's worth saying, like to the degree there is any legal reasoning in this opinion, it's extremely dangerous not just to women but to uh, everyone because. The, right. the whole the whole argument is that um, basically the word abortion doesn't appear in the Constitution. Ergo, 
card says moops, right? Um, right. But there's the, plenty of things that aren't explicitly listed in the Constitution that have been um, uh, litigated or codified or whatever the right word would be by the Supreme Court. So this could have uh, really unnerving precedent where those things are concerned. And I, I know that, and again, I'm not a lawyer either. I'm just getting this from reading mm. all the different analysis about it and everything. But this has massive implications in terms of privacy, laws that are related to privacy. This could undo a lot of that, which would be like uh, privacy in your bedroom, i.e. gay marriage, but also like a couple's right to privacy where the mm. method of contraception is concerned and all that shit, all that entire yeah. can of worms could be opened by this. Yeah. Even though he says in there, like, he says in there, this should not be taken to mean that it will impact other such cases, even though like the preceding 15 pages or whatever basically outlined the opposite. Yeah. I mean, they did that in Bush v. Gore, too. They said, we're doing this, but obviously this doesn't have any precedent. Please don't deprive us to any future cases. But just last year, Brett Kavanaugh was quoting Bush v. Gore in other election voting rights cases. So it's like that isn't it doesn't work. You can't put the you can't put the uh, springy springy snakes back in the can like that. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Um, but yeah, what you're pointing to, uh, here's let me quote from this piece. Uh, the obvious problem with this analysis is that Supreme Court has, identif- has identified plenty of, quote, unnumer- unnumerated rights, end quote, that lack deep roots in American history. Most recently, the court established the right of same-sex couples to be intimate. And Lawrence v. Texas, that was the case that um, Texas had a sodomy ban on the books. It was only ever mm. used against gay dudes. It was never... Right. Uh, you could you, a, a guy ba- uh, banging, you know, blowjob his wife. By the way, blowjobs are also considered sodomy, but definitely, right. uh, or having uh, or putting in his wife's butt was never. The, no one was ever arrested for that. It was just dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other rights, uh, the right for gay people to get married. That's Obergefell v. Hodges. That was from 2015. Um, there also, uh, you know, just just no inter- interracial marriage is mentioned in the Constitution, and like. Right. So that's still my own take that I wrote earlier, but like the the idea that there isn't a right to privacy in the Constitution is insane, considering the entire Bill of Rights is essentially 10 different ways to say, mind your own fucking business. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and the, 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 the breathtaking cynicism of this thing, like he, in his opinion, he he compares Roe to Plessy versus Ferguson, which is the famous case you've forgotten uh, your eighth grade history that codified separate but equal, right? This guy named Plessy mm-hmm. was, they were trying to make a move to a black car of a train and he sued saying this violates my 14th amendment rights for equal protection. Now Roe was also decided under the 14th amendment and uh, Alito does pretzels to say that compare those two horrific cases the same, but he used the same logic as the wrongfully decided Plessy case to decide this case. It's that if the Constitution doesn't say a state can't do it, they can do it, right? No matter, the state has more rights. When they say states' rights, it's usually, people usually take it as like the states' rights versus the federal federal mm-hmm. government. But these are states' rights versus like the rights of the people who live in the state. Um, so it's essentially saying the state isn't the people who live in it. The state is some unknown power that controls the people in the state. And therefore, they have to be given priority. Um yeah. Uh, he also, in addition to, you know, making it clear that he's doing this for the benefit of the black community, he also implies he's just trying to help women out here. Um, mm-hmm. And including there's a line in there that says that uh, uh, pregnancy is no longer the burden it once posed for women uh, because, you know, we got health insurance and better medicine and stuff now. So it's like, so, you know, 
who really needs an abortion anymore? Like, you guys are going to be fine. Pregnancy, it's not a big yeah. deal. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's also that because you can leave your baby at the fire department. Um, <laughs> does anybody ask the baby if they want to be left at the fire department? Like, right. is that like... It, 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 uh, yeah. yeah, it's so funny. It's like, you know, listen, we're not saying they can't just get rid of it. Like if somebody doesn't want a baby, yes, they have to have it, but then they can just do whatever with it. So it's fine, you know, which like points to the whole thing with them that's always pissed me off the most. It's been pointed out a million times by a million other people. But the fact that like for everybody that's super, super pro-life and believes life begins at contraception, they also apparently believe that the value of said life ends at birth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, of utmost importance that you must be born. After that, fuck you. Like we don't give a shit what happens after that. And stuff like yeah. this, with him quoting the safe haven laws as like a justification, is as close as you can come to just outright saying that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just admitting that that is true. Yeah, God intends women to be baby factories. So if you opt out of that, you're going against God's will. Um, and the. The idea, like the, the idea of like of originalism or textualism or whatever you want to call his philosophy, to the extent he has one, is like the past. He's trying to say, like, like the abortion is like he basically he goes on this whole historical diatribe about abortion was not legal at the founding. That's not really true. It's just not mm. true. Like a, abortion was not really the Catholic Church didn't say it was a sin until like the eighteen sixties. Um, the uh, uh, it wasn't like a conscientious, a contentious social issue in America until the eighties when the moral majority rose up. Um, the the first state law tr- trying to ban abortion in, in the U.S. was like passed in New York in eighteen twenty, and they couldn't find a single person who was ever prosecuted under it. the The idea that like like the founding fathers had a huge um, beef with abortion is insane because they probably didn't even think about it uh, except mm-hmm. to the extent that uh, Ben Franklin liked to frequent a lot of prostitutes. Um, the, the, so, but like the idea that they're trying to return this imagined past, that's like the whole, right. the whole reactionary movement. It's like, you imagine a time when things were awesome, then try to take everybody back there and drag everybody to hell in the process. It's, it's also like promising idealized, idealized, uh, return to your nation's his mythological past is essentially every fascist movement, the one right, the one through line. But um the so I mean here's the idea that like so like I said, like uh 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 Alito tries that rhetorical trick is like this this opinion only applies to this, but like it can't just apply to this. Once you mm-hmm. open this can of worm, like like so here's a here's a law professor from the University of Texas. Um the majority can believe it's only eviscerating a right to an abortion in this draft, but the means by which it does so would open the door to similar tax and other enumerated rights, both directly by attacking the underpinnings of those doctrines and indirectly by setting a precedent for such attack. Another professor said this is total gaslighting. He knows as well as anyone if these other rights like Roe rooted in the right to privacy, if Roe is imperiled because it's unenumerated, not quote rooted in our history and tradition, these other rights are also subject to challenge. And I just like literally a guy who an editor for VDare, which is a Nazi website, which shares a lot of crossover staff, the Tucker Carlson show. Post on Gab, Brown v. Board is next. All right. <laughs> they're not fucking hiding what they're up to. Right. Um, I, I, I like, I guess at least Alito bothered writing out an opinion. They didn't do this in the shadow docket like usual. But I understand why they come up with intellectual justifications for what they want to do. They're just, like I said, they're just venting their spleen. They're just mad. They're, they're, they're mad they had to learn the word cishet. They're mad that mm-hmm. their, their daughter might, uh, wants to go to prom with a Puerto Rican kid. They're, they're just fucking mad. And it's like, there's no like, but the, the, 
so we made fun of a guy a couple weeks ago who said the unspoken part loud, talking about like unenumerated rights in the Constitution and how the Supreme Court should approach this uh, intellectual framework. And the guy was basically said, someone asked him about Loving versus Virginia, which, you know, uh, the uh, uh, Supreme Court case, which uh, forced states to legalize interracial marriage. And everyone laughed, but like that's on the table under this intellectual framework. The right. federal, uh, the Supreme Court does not believe the federal government can, can, can protect people's individual rights when it bumps up against what a racist retrograde state wants to do. So we're we're about two years away from Clarence Thomas having being forced to decide whether he wants to make his own marriage illegal. Do you yeah. know? It's like I this is fuck. It, this is like uh, yeah. ridiculously bleak. Um, yeah, it uh, is. But let's uh, let's talk about the leak a little bit because uh, yeah. I agree with you that it is interesting. Because I'll just like my initial my knee jerk reaction was that. So, Someone, either one of the liberal justices or a liberal working, a clerk mm. working for a liberal justice was a source of this leak. And it was meant to like, you know, do what has happened. Get everybody mm. fired up and put it out there. And then the pushback and the PR and all that stuff is what I assumed. I've read that like apparent the reason is one of the reasons that's never happened before is because this is like obviously a highly coveted position working in the Supreme Court. And to do that would be effectively to commit career suicide, mm-hmm. among other reasons. But that's where my head immediately went. But apparently it's not necessarily the case. Right. There's some other theories yeah. and scenarios. So. All right. So my understanding of the Supreme Court works, OK, is they after the after all arguments, they take sort of a like a like a like a straw poll, like hand vote for who's on which side of an issue. Right. And so uh, the majority, once their majority is established, and this case had five votes, apparently the five arch conservatives without John Roberts, um, the senior most judge in those in that five gets to pick who gets to write the opinion. Am I just who wants to do it the most? Who's the whoriest forward? Who's the most passionate or who, do, who has the clearest, the, the most consensus opinion among the five? Um, and then then that draft gets circulated and then everyone else gets to write their dissents or concurrences or, you know, or whatever. So politically within the Supreme Court, is a, here's a good tea leaf reading of what might have been happening, all right, is the five have this opinion. They circulate it. John Roberts reads it and is horrified. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's like, okay, I'm going to sign order the majority so I can assign myself to write the opinion and make it milder and leave row and name only while still allowing statewide heartbeat bills or whatever. So hypothetically, if you want to lock in the five, the straight opinion without John Roberts weakening it, leaking it and making it firm in the public imagination where everyone knows what's happening is a good way to keep that from happening. And also, like someone made this point, but the kind of libs who work for the Supreme Court, clerk for the Supreme Court, these are like centrist institutionalists. Like they're not, these aren't activists. These are people who right. want to like work at white shoe Wall Street law firms and maybe do a little like pro bono environmental law on the side once they made their millions. Um, conservatives, you're not risking your yeah. career doing this. You will end right. up uh, hosting a show on Fox News if you get caught. Um, just like Oliver North got out of prison for a man contra and became a right wing. I don't know, star. Mark. They're pretty upset about this leak. Okay, that's the other thing. Kind, of, kind of funny about it is that the, the like the conservative media, Fox News, and them have been apoplectic at this news as well. Mm-hmm. But only because of the leak. I like, know the real problem here is that somebody, some snitch in the halls uh-huh. of Supreme Court leaked this information, undermining the integrity of the entire institution. I saw one conservative pundit say that uh, January 6th pales in comparison to, yeah. th- to these actions. And it's, quote, not even close. But they're very upset over the leak. And it's like, and 
Well, you know why you put it in the, the outline, but yeah, they, they, they've secured one of the biggest conservative legal victories in the history of the country, or at least in the past century. And it's the dog chasing the car. They finally caught it. It's a 40 year right. legal project. They've won, but now they still get to play the victim. It's, which is their favorite thing. The unending persecution. It's pretty impressive, mm -hmm. honestly, that even in this scenario, like you said, one of the biggest victories they've ever uh, attempted, you know, they've been five decades in the making and they've still found a way to be the victims in this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this whole movement, like they like to pretend like the bow tie people are different from the QAnon psychos, but they're not. It's all the same. They, they think all the same things. The difference right. is whether they can put like a veneer of Ivy League bullshit on it. But what they all think, and this is the interview with Marjorie Taylor Greene playing two or three days yeah. ago. This is what they all think. And this will serve as our palate cleanser transition to some dumbasses. It's whispered softly and gently into your ears and into your soul. And he tells you it's okay. And he says, it's just, just this one thing. You're just going to get it done, get it over with. And then he tells you a promise. He promises <laughs> you all these dreams that, that you have in your heart. And that's how Satan sells a sin. And that's how he sells abortion. He tells a woman that all you have to do is you're just going to go to this clinic, just going to get it over with, you know. And then you're going to, that guy, he's going to stay with you. That, that boyfriend or the guy, whoever he is, he's going to marry you, sweep you off your feet. Or Isn't the idea that the man had to marry you if you kept I the baby? Know. That's what I was like. Well, that's what I always heard. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's the, literally the exact opposite. Yeah, you, that's yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. All right. Yeah. Before we get uh, to our guests, we want to at least have a little bit of dumbassery on the show because this is the skews after all. So, Matt, let's do the daily dumbass. Hit that graphic, please. Whenever you got. Tonight's DD is Antifa for not just bringing cans of V8 to hurl instead of kicking it old school and bringing actual vegetation, apparently. Donald Trump has said that he reportedly feared for his life at the, because of the prospect of being pelted with, quote, very dangerous fruit at the <laughs> rallies, Mark. Not just your garden, garden variety right. fruit, am I right? This is particularly uh, dangerous and violent yeah. fruit people are going to hurl at Donald Trump. Yeah, violet fruit, like the, uh, you know, like not the good fruit, like from the uh, VeggieTales. Uh, but so, so for the background of this, I don't know if you remember in 2015, uh, Trump told people at his rallies to beat up protesters and he'd pay their legal bills. Yes. So a group of those protesters filed a lawsuit and it's been stuck in, it, Trump did his usual delaying tactics, so it didn't move forward until recently. And he sat for a dep deposition, which produced all these quotes and uh, they are gold. Uh, for President Donald Trump said he feared protesters would hit him with tomatoes, pineapples, and other very dangerous fruit at his campaign rallies, including a sworn deposition that, quote, you can be killed if that happens. Now, <laughs> I think we all knew that Trump wasn't a huge fan of fruits and vegetables, but this has taken it too far. Um, <laughs> I wanted to have people be ready because we were put on alert. They were going to do fruit, Trump said in October You're gonna 21. You're going to do the fruit. You're going to do the fruit. doing the fruit, Mr. President. <laughs> <laughs> he added that, quote, tomatoes are bad, end quote, and that, quote, some fruit is a lot worse. Because <laughs> if that happens, you could be killed if that happens. To stop somebody from throwing pineapples, tomatoes, bananas, stuff like that, yeah, it's dangerous stuff. Now, I do want to go on record that I'd much rather be hit with a banana than a pineapple. Uh, sure. 
But the idea that someone's going to assassinate the future president by launching a pineapple from a trebuchet just fucking kills me. <laughs> if, if he became the first president to be assassinated via fruit, I mean, good Lord, what more apt uh, yeah. headline for the times we live in. But yeah, and I feel, I don't know. I feel like if I have to get hip with a fruit, I don't think tomatoes near the top of the list of ones. You know what I mean? Any kind of melons, like you said, pineapple. I mean, tomatoes, the standard fruit yeah. to be hurled in protest. You know what I mean? Yeah. I many of people, many people have walked away from tomato abuse. Yeah. The whole the whole reason they would hand out tomatoes to throw up performers during those right. like medieval like, is the whole point is the tomatoes didn't hurt. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like it'll be fine to hit the magician with this. You know. Yeah. Uh, they, they did. They did resolve one age-old question, though, Trey, and that is: Is the tomato a vegetable? This is a, this is in America. This is a court proceeding. At another point, the lawyers took a few moments to discuss whether tomato was a fruit. A tomato is a fruit, after all, I guess. Victor said that's one of the lawyers. And you know what? Trump interjected. It has seeds. Jeffrey Goldman, a lawyer for Trump, confirmed. <laughs> it's worse than tomato. It's other things also. Trump continued. But tomato, when they start doing that stuff, it's very dangerous. There was an alert out that day. So. <laughs> Miter alert. Miter uh, alert. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So one, one more thing, because there is something else going on today. The infamous Ohio Senate primary is uh, going down. Polls are closed. I believe we've covered it a lot on here. And uh, at last glance, J.D. Vance was in the lead, I believe. It's closing a little bit, but he has the lead. But even if he wins, J.D. will never be done taking L's, even from daddy. Let's see this clip here. That's what they're waiting for. They're waiting for one race. You know, we've endorsed Dr. Oz. We've endorsed JP, right? J.D. Mandel. And he's doing great. <laughs> J.D. Mandel. Yeah. Uh, another thing, a humiliating thing that came out from that primary this week is like, so there was a the, the battle for the, to, get, to get the Trump endorsement between Josh Mandel and J.D., whose name Trump just matched up there. Uh, the Club for Growth guy, who was a Republican, like, uh, tax goon, has been a big supporter of Mandel and was lobbying for uh, for Trump's endorsement for him. But Tucker Carlson's apparently the one who put the thumb on the scale for J.D. He called up Trump and told him that this guy, his name's McIntosh, is into some weird sex shit. And that's what basically swayed it was that uh, McIntosh is a pervert. And if you remember, the only mm -hmm. reason the only reason Josh Mandel didn't get the, didn't get the endorsement is because someone else told him other rumors about Josh Mandel being a pervert. Right. So these these people cannot. Yeah, glad this primary is over because they cannot keep coming up with made up sex rumors at this rate. <laughs> They're gonna run out. Yeah, more weird sex undertones in this Senate primary than in uh, most that I can remember. But yeah, okay. So we'll see. JD will pull it out probably. Who knows what will happen after that? But we'll uh, we'll keep track of it. But I say let's go ahead and get to our guests. Our guest tonight was born and raised in Nashville. She spent nearly 14 years as a civil servant and then co-founded Stand Up Nashville, a nonprofit community organization that fights for working families. She has seen firsthand how the political and economic system is rigged against working families who've spent their lives playing by the rules. She has organized diverse coalitions and already delivered for Tennessee, and now she's ready to take the fight to Congress and represent Tennessee 7th District. Everybody, please welcome Odessa Kelly to the program. Let's get Odessa in here. Yeah, hey, hello. Hey, Odessa, hey, how you me. doing? I hey, am Odessa. well. How y'all doing? Thank you for having me. Good. Yeah, Thank you for being here. Thanks for being here. Yeah, and um, we're definitely we're going to get to your campaign, your goals, and what you want to do in my home state of Tennessee there, but I guess uh, to begin with, just how you feeling 
today? Where you at on everything? Uh, I'm frustrated, you know, mm-hmm. um, as an organizer. Is anyone surprised? You know, they've been right. working up to this point for a good minute. You know, I think I've been saying constantly today to people is worth repeating again. You know, um, what happened yesterday or what could possibly happen in what June, late June is not symbolic of this country. It's just more proof, you know, that we got to get these people in leadership out of office. These be more mm. people that have a shared experience what 99% of us go through, you know, on a, da- on a daily basis. You know, we got to be more responsible with our vote and who we put in these positions to make these things happen. So on that note, I've wondered, what do you think that this whole thing will serve as any kind of motivating factor for the left or for Democrats, or whatever, where the midterms are concerned? I feel like there's been some people are worried that, you know, uh, voters on the left might not be sufficiently motivated or not as much as those on the right in these midterms. They might be a little discouraged or whatever. And I've wondered if something like this happening could maybe stoke a fire under people or is that just wishful thinking like do you uh do you think we might actually have some of that i'm hoping you know yeah. from what i've seen uh so far it looks like as though it's energizing our base again and reminding them that you know you can't be in, you got to be all in in mm. midterms and presidential elections local elections i hope everyone uh went out and voted today you know if you had an uh, election like we did here um at every single last level you know, a judge's race is just as important as the presidential. And I think that's showing up, you know, given what happened yesterday. Odessa, I watched um, an interview you did with Tennessee, the Tennessee Holler this morning, mm-hmm. and uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, you made a, a couple of really good points. And I thought that, like, you simply said it's on us, which I <laughs> resonate with me because it's like no one's coming to save us. You know, it's like the, the idea that we just root online and then someone else is supposed to go do stuff is um silly and damaging and even though all we're doing right here is complaining online uh <laughs> uh i this somewhat you made a good point i thought also when another person brought the idea of like sort of a general uh strike by women and uh obviously that would be effective but you made the point that people can't afford to not go to work and that's part of the why reason our economy is structured the way it is right yeah absolutely you know um That's one of the reasons also why I'm running for office. You got to have more people who know the intersectionality and where like our urgencies are and then like where we're hurting at. A strike would be great, you know, but if you want a a huge strike, you got to really think about it. Can people afford to take off of work right now? What type of repercussions will come? A strike can last one to 30 days, you know, and part of uh, a woman's rights or reproductive rights is also poverty you know, or working, it's class warfare, you know, Mm. don't get people, don't get distracted by a lot of the surface issues. You really need to look at, uh, look, look what's undergirding it, what's under it and follow the money trail. Cause it always Mm. ends up being about money or it ends up about keeping us in positions black or white. Cause there's a lot of people in white rural Tennessee, they live in check to check just like everybody else and doing the best they can to make it, you know, and they put these things in place to keep us from actually focusing on the bigger issues that we have here. There's been a corporate takeover of Middle Tennessee and it's oppressing everyone here. You know, we should be more focused and have the energy of focusing on that than having to deal with silly things that we happen to deal with now, even though this is a serious issue. Yeah, right. It's like effectively it will, this decision will make it just illegal for poor people more so than anyone else. You know, rich people still uh, have any means necessary to get an abortion if they want one. So we say it's class warfare. I totally agree with you on that front can you uh can you elaborate some on the uh, 
the corporate takeover in, in Tennessee that you're talking about and the yeah, effects of it? Absolutely. You're right on point. You know, like this ain't about left or right. You know, this is about people and what we actually need to see here. You know, whether you live, I'm, I'm from the hood in East Nashville, you know, um, whether you live in an urban city, a metropolitanized area like I live in, whether you're out in the sticks, or you're in the hollows, in a rural area, you know, um, we've got to band together and think about the things that are really impacting our lives across, you know, every facet. You got Amazon here. You got other uh, big corporations that are moving to Middle Tennessee. And the reason they're moving here is because we've had several governors, including the one now, Bill Lee, yelling at the top of the hill, move your companies to Tennessee. We have mm-hmm. the largest percentage of people with low wage. Uh, we have the largest percentage of population with low wage, low wage jobs. And that's what he's saying. He was like, come here. Our people work for nothing, you know, or move here and move everybody here from your company here as well, because we don't have a state tax and it just mm-hmm. pushes us out. Nashville is full. And as you see, some of the rural areas in Middle Tennessee are becoming full as well. You know, and it's not okay. We have the right to live the best quality of life that we can. Those who are teachers, you know, social workers, people who pick up our trash, they make Tennessee, Tennessee. That's yeah, a, you've been you've been fighting this uh, battle for a long time. I mean, it's kind of your whole thing with your organization. I know I read something about when they were going to build the soccer stadium with public funding, like $300 million almost or something like that. You helped organize a a pushback on that and force them to use some of that to actually help regular people instead of just build a billionaire's stadium. Is that accurate? Like you've been on the, you've been on the front lines of this for a long time, not just since you decided to run for office. Hell yeah, absolutely. I come with, I come with receipts, you know, um, yeah. I, I don't, I, I'm not a talk of this, you know, I walk the walk. Mm-hmm. You know? um, absolutely. Um, with the reason any of you that like soccer, that soccer is in Nashville. And we did that as a community together. You know, I'm tired of development coming into Tennessee and telling us what to do. Like, we don't have a say in the places. It's our birthright to be here, you know. And so what happened back in 2017 is uh, three huge things. Um, The city employees for like the umpteenth time in a row, including me, we were told that we couldn't have a cost of living raise. Now, y'all know what it is like in Nashville. It's hard. It's one of the fastest growing cities for the past 10 years. Price keeps going up for housing and everything else. Right. And so. Reason why they said they couldn't give it to us, the city didn't have no money. Next thing that happened is, is that our superintendent at the time, he just asked for an adequate part of money so he could fix some, pro- you know, like maintenance issues in the school system, nothing absorbing it. They said, no, we ain't got the money, can't do it. 2017, uh, close toward the end of the year, they said, we're going to close our public hospital. It's where a lot of our mm-hmm. energy and people who, you know, living check to check who may not be able to afford health care because it's ridiculous here, they go there. And then I heard on the radios, I'm taking my kids, you know, to school and I'm talking to them about accountability, you know, like get your backpack, I already have it ready to go, that we got $275 million to build a, a soccer stadium. Right. Like, whose priorities yeah. is out of whack? I should be yelling. And at that point, that's when me and uh, so many other people, elected officials, clergy, people got together and was like, that's not going to happen here. If you're going to build a soccer stadium, you're going to build it with jobs. It's fifteen fifty an hour. You're going to make sure you put national people to work. We don't want to have any more like, you know, uh, issues on construction jobs. We need a daycare in there for the workers and everyone else and so on. You know, it's like, how do we really authentically do things for the people who are in these communities? Just making it a playground for the rich. I, uh, the thing you quoted Bill Lee, I'm sure you're paraphrasing, but Bill Lee saying our workers are paid shit. Come bring your company here mm-hmm. is extremely funny to me because 
throughout history, the way governors have sold people and companies moving in is like, we're going to get good paying jobs. And instead of pitching the company to the people like that, he's pitching the people to the company saying they won't even ask for more and they can't do anything about it. Fuck them. You know, it's like, Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to cut y'all. Go ahead. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Please go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just him. It's been other governors in the past. This has just been a precedent. Right. And it's not only just being Republicans. You know, before I was running against a Republican Mark Lee, I was running against a Democrat, you know, Jim Cooper. You know what it is, is that we have terrible people in the, regardless of this, uh, 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 the side of the aisle that they're on who claim that they represent working class people that they claim to be about. It's just lip service. All they care about is money in their bottom line. You know, the majority of people also live in check to check. We're not in debt because we bought a yacht. We in debt because we want our kid to like go to daycare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We in debt because we paid all our bills on time. And then a hiccup came up and we had a tight, we blew out a tire, you know, mm-hmm. we got a right. set of tires that wasn't discounted, you know, that's right. $700. And that will send you in debt and put you behind. That's what yep. we're talking about, you know? And so what has happened is, is that you have a lot of people who are out here and they have these buzzwords. So what they're doing is actually lying to you in your face. Amazon came here and said they had 5,000 jobs. I want someone to go look, ask them how many Nashvilleians, residents, people who've been here longer than, I don't know, last five or 10 years actually got them jobs. Maybe one or two, one diversity hire. They put out there, look, 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 we love black people. Oracle doing the exact same thing, right? Yep. And then what they're doing is, is they're moving hordes of people here from Seattle and all of the other tech valleys, you know, and not putting any emphasis into the workforce training that we need or all the other ancillary jobs where people who it, you shouldn't get punished for not going to college or not having like a huge fancy degree. If you're willing to work and put in a good hard day of work, you should be able to have the best quality of life that you want to live. And that's not happening here in any other urban metro, uh, metropolitanized area around the country. Right. Yeah, I've had conversations with conservatives before where like what you just alluded to where, you know, you'll ask them, like, do you believe in this country, a country that purports to be the greatest country on earth, that a person who works a full time job should be able to support a family? Right. Regardless what the job is, if they're working hard 40 hours a week, they should be able to support a family. Most of them, in my experience, will tell you, yes, I do. And then you ask, well, how come? So many of them cannot like that's just objectively untrue for so many people in this country because of wages and so many other factors. And then they'll start that. Then they'll usually start pulling on the typical threads of like, well, I'd just like to see that person's budget. What are they really spending their money on? You know what I mean? (laughs) They've got this thing in their head that poor people or or working class people, they just like blow all their money and then kick their feet up or something. Everybody who's ever lived it knows, like you just said, it's not it's that any extra money you get has to go towards like a new fan belt or whatever. Like it's very expensive to be poor and it's also very difficult and people work very hard. And so it's always really, really pissed me off that they spin it into this whole like, well, they're lazy and irresponsible. And that's really what the problem is. If they were more responsible, then, you know, they would be able to have a decent life working full time, which is just that's just not true. None of that is true. Absolutely. And it's not just the poor. It is like people like me and you. I got a degree, you know, and right. I was before I uh, became an activist and before I ran for office. The reason I end up here is because I was working for the city. I work for Metro Parks and Recreation. You know, the, the part of government people are actually happy to see. Hell, I was yeah. good at, at running Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts. We had basketball teams, giving people something to do. I hung out with the seniors during the day, learned how to play cut spade, uh, um, spades and, you know, pinochle and everything else, giving back to the community. And I could have retired on that job. 
Well, here I am doing a job that the city and the people say is deemed important. Went back and got my master's, yet I'm living check to check. Hell, I became an activist and runner out of desperation for my own life. You know, I wanted to be able to buy a house with my own children. I got tired of being on the front lines of poverty and seeing parents with uniforms on, trading y'all. They had uniforms on. Coming in between two, three jobs to get a food box. Mm-hmm. We was connected to a school. I got teachers texting me. Can you put me a food box to the side? There's something fundamentally wrong with the systems mm-hmm. that we have when teachers, you know, got to call me, people who've been working two or three jobs, and ask me to put a food box to the side. It ain't right, and we got to fix it. Um, you have a, uh, watch a couple of your campaign ads. And I'm, I, I can't remember the exact slogan, but is it, is, it, is it from the city to the holler or something like that when you talk about uh, coalitions in your district? Uh, yes. You know, yeah. and a uh, reason being is, you know, I wanted to make sure it's like, I mean, I can be real with everyone here. It's like, how do you appeal to everyone? I'm a six foot tall, very pretty black woman, you know, <laughs> rocking some, that's rocking some locks. You know, and I think sometimes people just assume things about you and it's like, how can yeah. I people actually hear me? You know, you know, am mm-hmm. I, so I'm called the radical left for what? Because I, right. I don't want people to die in the cold. I, I won't yeah. make sure people ain't going hungry. You know, right. I defend, I, I, I don't think that Bill Lee or any of them like the Marjorie Taylor Greene was playing earlier. You know, they fake being Christians. There's no way in the world they can be. They they try to cherry pick things out of the Bible. And that is like the most unchristian thing you can do. They need to go read Leviticus again and understand why the good Lord got mad at the priest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we talked about it last week, but Marjorie Taylor Greene literally did an even interview last week where she said that helping refugees was unchristian. It's like, oh, God. I mean, I, what Bible you read? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, my, my opponent texted today, you know, like he's back. He's doubling down that, the, of course, they're doing the right thing because we got to protect the vulnerable. Hell no, Neil. He, he is a, a, a rich man from from West Point who has behind the fact that he's a veteran and tries to hide behind things that he knows nothing about. I'm from a vulnerable community. You know, I have three different identifications that make me vulnerable. He has no idea who the vulnerable is, you know, and yeah. we need to make sure that we're not separated by these surface things and really think about what the issues are going to impact our life and move on. I want, I want to ask, I want to talk about your opponent. I know you, uh, you don't have to say anything because I know you got to like be pulled, not poll tested because you're obviously not poll tested, but like, I know you got to be couth, but he sucks. Uh, <laughs> but I, I want to do, uh, talk about your district for a second. So you're in the ten, you're running for the Tennessee 7th, right? Yes. Brand new district. Uh, I was reading your website uh, last night, and uh, I just want to say uh, I love you. You're awesome, uh, but you're you got you're in a real uphill fight. Uh, and the one reason I want to bring up cross like a, like the, the city of the holler, like you're working, focused on working class solidarity, which I think is really important. I wish people would stop seeing things through a lens other than materialism, because it, it, in a sense, everything goes back to that first. But the district went to, for Trump like over Biden sixty six thirty one in twenty twenty I think and it's Marshall, Marshall Blackburn's old district so I just want to point out uh, how tough and determined you are because you're definitely running uphill um, but I love your platform it's very brave and you're you're a very uh, blunt and honest person which we always like around here. Well, um, well thank you for that. Uh, no, yeah, thank you for that. Um, I appreciate it, and yeah, you know, I think that. We got to get every vote that we possibly can, but the numbers are actually there. You know, I don't know what the Republicans was thinking when they was building these new districts. I think they were so busy on trying to gerrymander, you know, parts of Franklin and what we built now is the new District 5. They, they also forgot about all the black people that live in North Nashville. They forgot about all the new progressives that are moved in downtown Nashville. That is 120,000 additional for sure progressive or Democratic votes that are now in this district. Between nice. that, you got Clarksville, last four district, last four cycles. 
They have elected Democratic mayor and state rep by $70,000 out of Franklin. Y'all, we got the numbers to do this. What we need is people like you to come out and vote and to tell your neighbor to vote and, th- and vote on your values and what you actually want to see change in, not just for some label and uh, some guy here's just been giving you lip service and absolute, absolutely no, no, no type of constituency services whatsoever. Yeah. Um, on that note, I mean, what can, uh, you know, Tell people about your campaign, what people can do to help out if they're if they're so inclined, because I know, you know, we were talking earlier about the the corporate overlords and the reality of it. And there's a lot of even Democrats who are corporate pawns. And we all know that. But the other side of that is they have backing from said corporate overlords, big money in politics and the devastating effects it's had on so many things that affect regular people. Somebody like you pushing back against that extremely uh, vital. So, you know, how can people support? Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. So um, you can go to our website that is odessaforcongress.com. You can sign up to be a volunteer. We can use all the help. You know what? I'm a union person. What we do better than Mm -hmm. anyone is that we knock doors, you know, and we're going to be out. We've already been out all over the district knocking doors. Please come help, you know, give us some tips about where we should go and events that we should go to you know, and donate. Um, in the uh, last 60 days, we want to be able to go tip for tat. You know, he's he can pull, you know, a million dollars out of his pocket. I can't mm-hmm. do that. I'm a working class individual, but please donate so that we can be on TV as well and go tip for tat with this person and, and, and make sure that we can do everything that we possibly can. Because it's not about just me as well in this position. It's about when you run it for Congress, you got to understand how to be a team player. You know, and by the team play, it is it's like what what barriers can I move out of the way for the people that want to be good judges here, for the people that want to be good state representatives and for our local officials. And my job in, in, in Congress is to move every barrier out of the highway so that we can build the type of Tennessee that we want to build. So this is about everyone that's down ballot as well as fighting for people, uh, good people. You know, so donate to our campaign so we can say that we did everything that we possibly can do and to send a message. We don't give a damn about you gerrymandering in these districts. We here to stay. Tennessee is our state, and we're gonna fight for it to the last breath in our body. That's awesome. Ready to run through a wall over here. I tell you what, you got me fired up. I'm uh, so glad you came on. So glad you're doing what you're doing, and uh, thank you very much, Odessa. Uh, Odessa Kelly, everybody. Thank you, Odessa. All right. Yeah, that was. Uh, she's great. That's awesome. Um, I, I'm glad. I do want to talk about why we turn it while we get ready to pull up some combats. I want to talk about her opponent for a second. I'm glad we can let her go. So she doesn't have to sit here and listen to be really rude about, cause you're supposed to be cooth in politics. We don't have to be. Right. Uh, so she's running against Marky green, who um, was a, is an army veteran and became a doctor and started a hospital uh, management company. So he's pretty rich. Um, he also, here's the main thing. Trump nominated him, nominated him to be secretary for the army. He was Trump, Trump's second nominee. The first one couldn't pass the financial background check, essentially. Couldn't figure out a way to invest enough because he was some rich guy with some weird investments. Uh, but Green <laughs> Green also was forced to pull out because here's some things he said. Uh, if you pull the psychiatrist, they're going to tell you that transgender is a disease. Um, he supported a state law that limited access to public restrooms for transgender people to those matching their legal sex, not their gender identity. So he was, he's for establishing a general inspection force. And he told uh, talk, talk radio uh, show host C.J. Porter that he viewed his support of that law as part of his duty as a state senator to, quote, to, quote crush evil. Did you know that state senators take an oath to crush evil, Trey? I didn't know that. <laughs> no. Like with uh, 
Satan in particular. They got to worry about Satan. They got to keep their eyes on him. Yeah. Uh, he also said if school, this is just funny example of how he's a dumbass. I mean, he went he passed medical school in West Point, so maybe he's not a dumbass about everything. But uh, Green also said if school districts, quote, want to have a bathroom that's separate for all the, all of the you know, guys or gals with question marks, but we're concerned, quote, the AFL-CIO is going to sue you while I got your back. I got to assume he means the ACLU there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and not the American, American Federation of Labor and Congress of, uh, of industrial organizations, because they, they, they really don't have a stake in the whole transgender fight. <laughs> yeah all right well matt if you want to put some uh questions and comments up there for us a lot of stuff going on um thanks again to odessa that was she was wonderful and uh i don't know uh wonder how jd's doing wonder if he's hanging in there oh yeah give us a jd update matt uh, yeah matt, uh, matt, i mean well we're asking matt let's see here what's the how would i look for that ohio primary well, primary results Matt had a graphic was refreshing in the pre-show. Mm -hmm. Let's see here. Yeah, I don't know. It says Vance at 29 20% of the vote in according to CNN. And Vance is at 29% and Mandel is at uh 23. Yeah, I don't know. It's not showing the other voters for whatever other, other candidates. Mark, uh, uh, so <laughs> help me out with the uh, the end of this here. Crystal McMith. Crystal Fitzhugh on Facebook says, we must seek out opportunities to volunteer and donate in every way possible to help ourselves in the midterm. And then does that say come over and over again? I think it's a, I think it's a blue wave and a flag. Okay. <laughs> What's the UM? <laughs> what? I don't see. Is, you must be. Oh, I, I, I you see, see emojis. a flag. Yeah, I see. It's, okay. My screen well, shows up Crystal, as a blue wave in America. Hilariously, I don't know if it's only my screen or if it's a different. I'm on PC or whatever, but on my screen, those <laughs> emojis, the wave is shaped like a C, and then instead of an emoji, it's U M. So it looks like come. Okay. <laughs> Written over and over again. Come, come, know. come, come, come. Yeah, yeah. Come, yeah. come, 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 come. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's cool. I'm all for it. <laughs> Larry. Cultus says small dollar donations matter. Yes, they do. The only way you can really compete um, with, um, you know, if you're telling the corporations to go fuck themselves and whatnot, because that's where most of the war chest comes from. It's the one that it's like, it just really sucks how all the culture war shit, it's really upsetting, obviously, and everything, but how like pretty much every single bit of it always just comes back to money at the end of the day. Like it all really is just about money and part of that is you know if you're not the party of of big money because you need money to compete and that makes it even yeah. harder to do so so yeah small donations I mean, do matter yeah um I, I, small dollar donations are kind of everything right now i mean one of the reasons trump has a huge war trust is because he gets small dollar donations and sells you know nickels with his face on it for a hundred dollars and shit. So, uh, it, uh, Bernie got, got all his money off small dollar donations. So does, uh, AOC right. and so do a lot of people. And like, I right. would say like everybody's fired up and wants to donate places right now. I would say that like seek out the people who aren't national stars. Um, the, like say, don't just give all your money to, to the, the I, I, I hope Marcus flowers beats Marjorie Taylor green, but don't just give all your money to him. Cause he, I think already has enough money. Find some underfunded races state senators and so forth. Cause like we always bitch about how old the Democrats are, but they haven't, they don't have a bench. They haven't been developing 
a talent supply. It's like it's like a, a major league team with no farm system. There just aren't people coming. I want people like Odessa to be pushed up and, uh, you know, like people that really care. People want to fight for stuff and have a material stake in things. Um, they, we get, but you got to get them. You got to get them some political experience, name recognition, and start building them up, you know, or just going to be stuck here. Right. Yeah. Jim Gray on Facebook says, if you want to confirm your voter registration and polling location, go to vote.gov. You can also register there, too. Thank you for the information there, Jim. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about um, what I asked Odessa as far as like the midterms going, whatever? Is that just like wishful thinking or like do you think? Because I feel like there has been, you know, we're just like we're deflated, right? It's been sort of they're fired up. They're all mad at Joe Biden for everything. We've had to sit here and watch Mansion and Cinema just fuck everything up and everything keeps not happening. And January 6th keeps getting not fucking prosecuted and so on and so forth. And so we mm-hmm. on the left are deflated, whereas they're fired up. Midterms tend to swing back in the other direction. Anyway, it's all recipe for disaster. Do you think this whole thing could have any kind of uh, well you know, effect to the contrary where that is concerned? Well, uh, it's I don't know whether people can be fired up or discouraged. Well, the one effect of this is you might see some swing voters who are contributing to like a R plus seven environment for the midterms, like swing back the other way because they're suburban, you know, upper middle class people who just like were mad about schools being closed and masks. We're not going to be mad about this. You know what I'm saying? So like that could sweep some votes, but as far as extra democratic base, I don't know whether people are discouraged or going to be fired up for this. Cause it's like, it's six to one half dozen of the other, because like Biden gave a pretty disappointing milk toast statement about how you just got to vote this fall. Uh, Elizabeth Warren gave a pretty uh, fiery, impassioned speech as she was like sprinting across a lawn that, that really resonated with people. Um, Chuck Schumer actually came out fairly fired up for Chuck Schumer and, gave, and, and talked about how he's going to put a bill on the floor to codify Roe as a federal law, which would you know nullify the Supreme Court decision. He doesn't have the votes, but I don't think, but because you, you got to get sixty if you're not going to nuke the filibuster, and um, you know. Right. Uh, 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 Manchin already said he won't nuke the filibuster for this. There could be something weird happening because I know Murkowski and Collins are kind of humiliated right now. Right? Maybe get a 50th vote for a one-time uh, uh, modification of the filibuster from them for this specific bill, but I don't know. Yeah, I was going to ask if that was like a possibility because I know especially where Collins is concerned if it could, you know, if that could factor into it or something. Um, He's got a oh, pressure. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so looks like JD's going to pull it off, looks like. Was well, 31%, 31% of the vote in, and he's up 29-23. Yeah, oh, yeah. Dave Washington's calling it. Usually I've seen right. enough. J.D. Vance wins the Republican nomination and will face Tim Ryan in the fall. All well, right. well I, I wonder, I wonder if, it'll, be- if like the silly, the antics and the literal dick measuring and pipe-all fighting and all that stuff, obviously some of that's going to fall by the wayside now that the Republican primary is over, but I just wonder how this race is going to go now. Tim Ryan it never struck me as, you know, much of a circus act type of guy, but I just, yeah. you know, there's still some more potential for absurdity in this race, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to get, I mean, like the, the amount of stuff JD said that should make for a bunch of really damning TV ads is going to mean they could just run Josh Mandel's ads <laughs> and that should sink him, but I don't know. But like, it's like he, see, there was a, a, a rally today he did with Matt Gates. And mm-hmm. defended Matt Gates. They asked him, "Do you think it's good to be do you good look to be campaigning with a guy who's accused of child sex trafficking?" And JD pivoted to saying, "A lot of federal investigations are, are the result of corrupt political corruption." 
essentially saying that JD is being framed for being a child child sex trafficker. And it, like again, that's going to be hung around his neck if Gates is indicted between now and election day, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah. Well being and health on YouTube says I just confirmed my vote registration. Good to go. All right, good to hear it. Because uh, we didn't do some of the normal stuff up top. Like and subscribe, everybody. Thanks for watching tonight and like and subscribe and share and all that good stuff helps us out. If you're listening to the podcast, leave a five-star review. That'd be super cool. Also, I didn't do these up top. If you're uh, vaccinated and want to see me live, I'm doing solo shows this summer. You can go to TreyCrowder.com. We added a couple more today. So we've got some Jersey and New Hampshire stuff going on. That'll be added on there uh, pretty soon. And, yeah, we're adding new dates all the time. It's going to be fun. Come and see me. Secondly, if you like the show and want to support us, you can do so on Patreon, $5 a month. You get full-length bonus episodes like the one we did last week on Big Data, hooking up with the Lord to get Jesus into all your business uh, and other fun stuff as well. We're going to do another one this week. We're having fun with it. And again, you can support the show in that fashion and get some more SKUs for your trouble. WeeklySKUs.com slash more or just look me up on Patreon, sign up on the SKUs tier. So yeah. Got the business out of the way a little bit late in the game, uh, uh, comparatively speaking, but at least I remembered to do it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, things aren't great, Mark. <laughs> you heard it here last, everybody. Things yeah. are not great. Trey, did you think the founding fathers, when they, uh, when they thought about the Constitution establishing a form of government, they thought that what they were doing was setting it up so our sex lives would be dictated by a bunch of people, even when they were young enough to fuck, probably wore dress socks when they did it. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I do not. Also, right. I'm going to read that thing because I don't think you read it earlier. An apocryphal quote, I guess you found it on the internet, it says in 1787, there were a sizable block of delegates who were opposed to the Bill of Rights. One, yeah. member, of the, one member of the Georgia delegation had to stay by way of opposition and said, if we list the set of rights, some fools in the future are going to claim that people are entitled only to those rights enumerated and no more, no others. So, yeah, that, that no one actually said that it may I'm not sure the progeny of it. I think it might've originated in a West wing episode, but the sentiment is correct. I think. <laughs> okay. So that's Aaron Sorkin quote. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but people think it's real, uh, but I, I do agree with, I do agree with the actual takeaway, but like, if you want to know what the founding fathers actually thought, um, people never talk about the ninth amendment, Trey, mm-hmm. never No one brings up the ninth amendment. You want to know what the ninth amendment says? Yeah, the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. It's literally saying if we just really? write something down, doesn't mean people don't have this right. Yeah. That's in there? <laughs> yes. Well, and whatever fucking points to it. Exactly. Why, right. why was Roe decided right. another 14th Amendment? Yeah. It's like the Ninth Amendment. It says we can do whatever we want if we decide people have the right. It's also just weird. Matthew Kenyon on Facebook says, can't wait to see you in KC, Trey. Me neither. Going to get some of that barbecue. It's going to be a good time. Thank you, Matthew. Uh it's also just weird. It's like he talks about stuff about it's not rooted in history. And it's like it's such a weird thing to say to to me because it's like the world changes. Things change. It's like we can't have any kind of laws that aren't based on something from 200 something. You're like, that's some straight yeah. up Bible shit, which I guess makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, you know, considering what we're talking about here. But, yeah, yeah. it's like Congress you know, can't regulate high speed trains because they're not. In the right. Exactly. Not yeah. Fucking you, can't have, or, you can't have a Labradoodle because Labradoodles didn't exist in 17. Right, so. right. 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's all so yeah. ridiculous, but thank you all for joining us and listening to us bitch about it. We hope you're hanging in there. Uh, yeah, trackrider.com, weeklyskews.com slash more for the Patreon. Like, subscribe, share, retweet, all that good stuff. We'll see you all next week. So you love you. Bye.